Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we are going to be learning together Lech Lecha Sheni, the second Aliyah in Parshas Lech Lecha. Our Aliyah is 11 Pesukim long, running from Perik Yudbeis Yud Dalad to Perik Yud Gimel Dalad. And the main topic of our Aliyah is Avram's escape from Egypt. Um, the basic summary of the Aliyah is as follows. We hear that Avram Avinu comes down to Egypt and the Egyptians do in fact see that Sarah is, Sarai is a very beautiful woman and they praise her to Pharaoh and therefore she is taken to the palace of Pharaoh. Um, because of this, Avram is gifted with all kinds of wonderful possessions, um, flocks and cattle and donkeys and servants and maidservants. And, but nonetheless, that night Pharaoh is plagued, terrible plagues, his, children are, uh, his household is plagued because of Sarah. Sarai, and he turns to Avram and he summons him and he says, What did you do to me? You didn't tell me that she's your wife. If you just said that, I, I, I would never have taken her. And therefore, go, leave right now. He commands a delegation to send them off and that's what they do. They return, they go back, Lot is with them. Avram at this point in time is extremely wealthy with all the gifts that he received and all kinds of possessions and he goes in the same way of his massa of his travels to the southern area of Israel then he moves his way up to base El where he was before and then to Ha'ai which was where he was before and he goes back to that first altar he made and he calls out in the name of Hashem. A few basic points to ponder in Aurelia and question number one is what is the significance of Avram going down to Egypt? So Ramban points out a very important idea with which to understand many of the stories, many of the narratives that we're going to be encountering in these early parashiyos and barashas. And that is the notion of what's called ma'aseh avos, simon abonim. That what the parents do is a simon, is a sign, a symbol as to what will happen to the children. Usually understood this means to say is it as a precursor, it's a we'll call it educational model, it has an impact um, as to what the children are going to be done, doing later on. However, it's a little more sophisticated than that, than that the Ramban says, and that is that actually any celestial decree, any, any spiritual idea which is moving from the realm of energy, the realm of pure thought, into the realm of action, and as that descends into this very um, tangible, very concrete world, if an action is attached to that um, that idea, then it becomes a concretized decree in a way that it cannot be undone. And the Ramban gives examples of this, of Kogzeros Irin, these lofty decrees that are accompanied by an action become irreversible. And his argument is that the formation, this critical formation of the nation of Israel, Avram and Sarai are the, Avram and Sarai are the patriarch, matriarch of this nation. It's almost as if the nation is in utero. So what will happen to them will ultimately crystallize what will happen to their children, not just as an educational model, but actually as the very spiritual DNA of the people. And therefore, we see similar things here. We're going to see how later on the nation of Israel, his great-great-grandchildren are going, his great-grandchildren and their children are going to go into the land of Egypt, there is going to be an oppression, the males are going to be attempted to be killed, the females are going to be let live in Egypt, and the Egyptians will be, be punished by all kinds of nagaim, plagues and supernatural signs, and finally they will leave with great wealth. That's all encompassed in the story that we're witnessing here. Now, basic question is, what was the plague precisely? So Rashi explains that their bodily functions were blocked up, and, the, and wherever Sarah would look, 
whether she would she would speak that person or that entity was smit and therefore the pharaoh doing a cheshbon working out understood this was related to the bodily functions related to his prospective relationship with sarai and therefore that's how he understood what was going on another question is why did pharaoh give him such extraordinary wealth i mean it sounds like this is an unbelievable amount of assets that he's being given why is that so the Bible notes actually in a footnote at the bottom of the page an interesting thought he says that in those days when there was an extraordinarily beautiful person a beautiful woman people would understand that she was actually an expression of godliness in this world and therefore they felt that it would be inappropriate for a proletariat a regular pedestrian individual to be married to such a person and therefore she really deserved to be married to the king who in those who in those days they understood was an expression of their pagan deity and their god so only a godly human being could marry a godly beautiful human being is the way i understood it which is why avram felt he was threatened by coming down to egypt in such a, a way and being married to such a beautiful person he felt that they would think that this was a theological travesty that a regular person should be married to such a beautiful godly woman and therefore that's why he puts her at an arm's length he tries to disassociate from her and he, she is given to the king when they realize that he in fact is is not just the brother first they gave him wealth because he was the brother he was associated with his goddess so to speak but when they realized that he was in fact her husband they realized there was something very special about him which is why they left him with all that wealth as well so it's a very sort of feeding into the pagan mindset of the time which avram and sarah had to be had to be aware of now an interesting question that arises over here is that avram you know, accepts this wealth from egypt and and they become excessively rich but later on in the parasha we're going to see that he will not accept anything from the king of saddam Later on, he refuses to accept even the smallest token of appreciation from the king of Saddam. Why is this? So there are many answers which are offered, but I heard a very beautiful idea from Rav Mordechai Kamenetsky, Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Torah of Salsho, who says a beautiful idea. And that is, is that uh, there was a story about a young, young Bachar, a young man in Yerushalayim. He was walking towards the end of Shabbos and he saw that there was a gold coin on the street. Being as it was close to the end of Shabbos, he put his foot over it and waited. But in the meantime, a, a young Arab um, young man saw that what was going on, saw what he was doing and tried to uh, uh, aggravate him and finally pushed him over and grabbed the coin and ran off. And he came back to the yeshiva, this, this, uh, this, this young man, he was very upset, very upset that, that this has happened to him. So his rabbi turned to him and asked him what was going on and finally explained to him that this incident had happened and how disappointing it was to him. So Rebbe takes him to his office and opens up the drawer and pulls out a gold coin very similar to the one that was on the street and he says, yeah, I'll give this to you. You can have this gold coin as long as you agree to give me the schar, the merit that you earned by waiting for Shabbos, by waiting for the end of Shabbos. The, the young man considered this and he said, no, absolutely not. I'll rather keep the schar, the merit for waiting until the end of Shabbos. And if you think about that from that perspective, perhaps that's the difference. Here in Egypt, um, Avram Avinu was not, did not go down there to perform a mitzvah, he was escaping the famine. So therefore accepting the wealth and accepting the riches uh, that, um, in, in the process of what they had to go through was the, the king of Egypt had no intent on having any part of Avram Avinu's schar. He was just trying to pay him off or perhaps get him out at the end. When it came to the Melech Saddam later on, we're going to see in the war of the four and five kings, perhaps the king of Saddam wanted to be part of the enterprise. And with that Avram Avinu says, I'm not prepared to be part. I don't want to sell any parts of the rights of my mission of 
Pidyon Shvuim or doing the right thing or being a Kiddush Hashem in this world. Another question we can ask over here is what does it mean by Yelech Lemasa'av that he went on the journeys he made? So the basic understanding is, as the Svaran understands it, is that he was a nomad. So he went from place to place um, with, with his livestock as, as was necessary. However, Rashi presents another two options and that is that he went to the same inns even though he was incredibly wealthy now. So that means to say, you know, he was staying at three-star hotels, motels on the way down because that was all he could afford. But now on the way back when he could really buy the motels and he could go into a five-star, you know, along the, uh, on the more upscale cities, he didn't do that. He still went humbly back in the same way. Rashi also suggests that he went back to pay back the death, debts. When he came down, he was in, they were in such a state of poverty that that would take, lo- take loans, that would take the, their stay on credit, and now he came back. Um, to, to repay those debts as well. Which comes back to the last question, that is, why does it say that he goes back to the original Mizbech? Why is he following the same footsteps? And perhaps that's exactly the point. The image of the Saliyah is a person who started off in a very bleak situation, chances upon incredible wealth, and nonetheless remains the same person, comes back along the same way, goes to the same Mizbech, and calls out to Hashem in the same way, did not affect him, did not alter him, became a person who now, with the assets, was willing to bring Hashem into his life. With us, we close, Shane. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.